Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper Playoff Recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, we're going to talk very quickly. Um, we're going to talk about the Clippers and the Jazz game one. And we're also going to talk about the Hawks and the Sixers. But anyway, let's start with the Clips, right? Playing in the Jazz tonight, or playing at Utah, my least... Honestly, maybe taking the spot, the top spot after this series is my least favorite franchise in the NBA. Um, right now it's Memphis, because we were. I, I said multiple times on the show, they're the only team I thought we've had a real rivalry against. But we have lost to the Jazz multiple times. Them and the Houston Rockets are the only team... That's the case for, and I just can't stand the Jazz, never have, never will. So I want this series bad, real bad. Um, but let's start with the game. Um, I like the way we came out. I thought we looked sharper to start. So Ty Lue went with a small ball lineup of Batum and Morris at the four and the five to try to neutralize the pick and roll between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobich. Because if we start out with Zubats, then in, this, in the regular season, that Mitchell-Gobich pick and roll has been very detrimental. And he, has, he hasn't been able to make up the ground in terms of, for one, when in the regular season when we played these guys, and again tonight we saw this, Kawhi and Paul weren't guarding Donovan much. And it was a lot of Reggie, it was a lot of Kennard, a lot of Rondo, some Beverly. And Beverly did okay tonight. But we'll get into that in a second. But what I don't like is this. In the regular season, they're not offering much, you know, get it, coming off of screens. And Lou Williams as well when we had him, you know, they're, Donovan's going over the screens, and he's basically got a free run to the basket. So that forces Zubas to step up, and he throws the lob to go bitch all day long. So that forced us to go with a small ball unit to try to also spread Gobert out and try to take him away from the rim. And he also, I think, got away with one or two defensive three-second violations today, but we'll get into that later. Um, or I think that's all i got to say on that. But we started out the game pretty well. I thought that... Marcus Morris Sr. was good, even though in the beginning it was like 8-2, to 10-2, but we responded well from that with Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, I thought Kawhi wasn't very aggressive, but just kind of was playing in the flow of the offense, got a couple points here and there. Reggie Jackson making threes, and I think that, you know, our defense, like the Jazz were kind of just chucking themselves out of it in that first quarter, like just taking a lot of contested threes. I remember Jingles shot like two step-back threes. And they were just like weird shots. Jingles finished with only 8 points, 3 of 12 from the field, and he was 1 of 8 from 3. So he wasn't the problem at all. Royce O'Neal as well. He was 0 of 3 from 3, 2 of 5 from the field with 8 points and 11 rebounds. But I will credit him. I think he did a good job on defense against Kawhi, best he could. But in that first half, I didn't notice Kawhi or Paul George doing anything on defense. It was mostly, you know, the rest of the team and Batum and Morris kind of holding their own against... Um, against Go Gogurt down low. And I thought that R Reggie Jackson was actually holding his own defensively a little bit tonight, but he got into foul trouble because of that, and he fouled out of the game, and that kind of hurt us. He only played 17 minutes, and Reggie's a big shot maker for us, and he's turned into an integral part of the team. 
Um, another, so I like that we also, so end of the first quarter, Clippers were up 25-18. I also must uh, comment on the fact that Mike Conley, Clipper killer, and what's his name? Serge Ibaka still didn't play. So I figured that gave us the advantage tonight, and we needed to take advantage of that. Um, one thing I was very curious of, though, was did that seven-game series take the life out of us while they've been resting for a week? Well, we found out the results in the second half. But let's continue to talk about this first half. So we were up by seven after one quarter. I thought in the second quarter, you know, I saw Jordan Clarkson trying to get him back in it. And I thought that we made two very careless turnovers. I don't know if the second one was in the second half, but Rondo and Kennard, and there was one in the first half, Rondo and Morris Sr., like on an inbounds pass or something, like threw the ball away and Bogdanovich made a corner three. I mean, those are the type of things you cannot be doing in playoff games. You can't just hand the other team the ball. That's inexcusable. That is suicidal in a road game when they have the whole place packed to the brim. And I'm going to get into that in a second because it's so unfair. I don't know what the fuck Garcetti and Newsom are thinking with this shit. Come on, man. This is killing LA teams. It killed the Lakers in the last round to an extent, and it has not been beneficial to the Clippers at all. And now we're playing against, uh, and mind you this, Laker fans and Clipper fans couldn't replicate that atmosphere even with a packed house, even if they tried. They could never replicate the Jazz fans because the Jazz fans are way more into it. But 18,000 fans would help because I'll get into the second half in a sec, though, with the runs. But that second quarter, though, Boogie came in for four minutes, and I actually really liked his contributions. The only thing with Boogie is he picks up fouls like that. So he got three fouls, but he had six points. He ripped it from Go uh, Escar Gobert. And he went and got an and one. I was really hyped on that. And I thought that Luke Kennard, at times, was carrying our offense in that first half. I thought Batum made two big threes. And those were the only threes he, sh uh, he made. He was two of four from three. And those were all the shots he took. And I don't know. I just felt as though Nick got very... Didn't get enough minutes tonight. I mean, 21 minutes. I think it's because we went with more zoo in the second half. But I think Ty's got to find a better balance. I don't think that Senior should be playing 33 minutes when, and Batum is playing 21 minutes when Senior's 4 of 14 and is 1 of 9 from 3. I think that Batum offers a lot more defensively. I think he moves better without the ball. I think Senior's just a better scorer and a better shot maker. That's, that's it. So I think that we need to be... Ty's going to make adjustments. Here's the thing. Ty didn't coach a perfect game. I'm going to get into what he where he went wrong in my opinion. But... Kawhi and Paul George, and Paul George started off terribly in that first half. It was really Luke Kennard who at times was carrying our offense in that first half, making tough threes. You know, one sidestep three in the right corner. And going into halftime, we were up 13. I was feeling really good about it. And then in the second half, the guy that's killed us for a long time, um, the guy that killed us for a long time, Donovan Mitchell, went off and was the best player Best part on the court, no questions asked. Hitting deep threes, very deep threes, and was not able to be guarded. And again, how many possessions was Kawhi guarding Donovan tonight? Kawhi looked tired. Kawhi looked tired. And maybe, maybe we need uh, Patrick Beverly to play more. You know, he had a decent stint in that first half. He had a donut, and he wasn't making shots, but his defense was solid. And surprisingly, he didn't pick up a foul. He was plus six. Also, Terrence Mann only playing eight minutes, dude. Like, come on. Ty needs to – he knows better than that. He truly knows better than that. And I get it. Kennard was playing well. But to be honest, Rondo, I love Rondo. You know I'm always going to stand up for him. He had five points, five rebounds, and six assists. One of three was minus three. He didn't have a horrendous game, but at times I thought he was in no man's land watching the ball on defense. Uh, a couple times, the Jazz, I think where they where we really lost this game, 
offensive rebounds. What do I always say? No rebounds, no rings. Let's look at the rebounding disparity tonight. Uh, rebounds. Only, only Jazz only got us by four. They had three more offensive rebounds, though. And I don't know. It just felt as though... And Zubat's got most of our offensive rebounds. Credit to Zoo. He had a really solid game tonight. You know, I thought he was... The only thing I'm annoyed with with Zoo is that they'll, they're giving him that foul line jumper. And we've seen him hit it, but he's so hesitant to take it. He's got to let that fly. And I liked his jump hook. I liked his, you know, his activity. He got two offensive rebounds, six rebounds overall, 11 points, three blocks. So, like, I just thought he was really solid. And I like that he, this may be a better matchup for him. He's going to have to guard Luka in the pick and roll. But Donovan is going to put him in the pick and roll if he's out there going forward. I can guarantee you that. And... Overall, I just think Terrence should have played more. Rondo needs to be compromised when he's not playing that well. I mean, 28 minutes is a little much for what he's offering right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, this comes down to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard not being good enough in this game. And, you know, Kawhi still had his good field goal percentage, 9 of 19. But 1 of 4 from 3, only 4 foul shots. His legs looked shot. And here's the thing. This is when I was talking about the crowd. When they start making shots and we don't call timeout on some Glenn Rivers shit, which Ty Lue at times did not call timeouts quick enough, in my opinion. The barrage continues. Paul George is the definition of a player who gets rattled under pressure. I'm sorry, but he does. And that jazz crowd is going to put the pressure on you. And that momentum, he was, you know, turning the ball over. He had two turnovers. One of them was, he got lucky it wasn't a turnover. He threw the ball up court. Royce O'Neal picked it off, and he tried to throw it off Luke Kennard's leg. And luckily, Kennard, I think it went through his legs on some nutmeg, and it just bounced out of bounds. But Paul, and then his shots just aren't falling. Four of 17 and three of eight from three. The three of eight is fine, but the four of 17, I mean... Just poor. And Marcus Morris Sr., one of nine from the three-point line. And he's not good finishing around the basket. He's very much a better jump shooter than he is a finisher. And he just looked shot. His legs looked shot. Our shots were short. Paul George missed some long. But I just thought we looked like the more tired team in the second half. Bogdanovich started hitting deep threes. And that's the thing about these guys. They can hit contested threes. Donovan jingles at times, but we'll live with that. Bogdanovich, Donovan, and JC. JC, Jesus Christ. I'm looking at his stat line. 6 of 18 from the field, but 6 of 14 from 3. So he only shot 4 twos and he was 0 of 4. But he made big shots in that run and that momentum was just too much. And again, third quarter for the Clippers. I just tweeted about it. The winner of the third quarter has won 7 of the 8 games that the Clippers have played in the playoffs so far this season. The only exception was Game 6 in Dallas when they made a push and then Kawhi was incredible in the 4th quarter. But it's just not good enough. Paul George, you know, this is 2018 all over again in Utah, fumbling under the pressure. And I understand, you know, Kawhi was tired. He really worked his ass off in those last two games. But here's the thing, and again, this goes back to the complacency of us not wanting to play Portland. We tired ourselves out in that Dallas series that, you know, I think we're going to win two games minimum in this series. But we go to a game six, we go to a game seven in Utah with that crowd. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. You know, people need to realize like that. That, you know, not prioritizing seeding, just because we beat the Dallas Mavericks means nothing. I've seen this play out before. When we beat San Antonio in the first round in this heroic series, we come out and we look the better team through four games of the second round, and then we blow it against Houston. And I just feel as though we had a golden opportunity to take this game. And Donovan Mitchell, you know, 
in the end of the game, Kennard was in, but they were putting him in pick and roll a lot. And he was having his way. He was weaving through everybody. He was attacking the rim relentlessly. Donovan Mitchell, 16 of 30 from the field. Kawhi didn't even shoot 20 shots. So that's superstar assertiveness from the young gun. 6 of 15 from 3. That's a lot of threes, but he shot 40% and, he, and those are half his shots. You know what? I'm going to live with that if I'm a Jazz fan, honestly. 40%. That's a lot of threes, but he didn't take too many bad ones. And he's capable of hitting. You know, he won the game for them. So you cannot complain. 7 of 8 from the line and 45 points. I thought we did a great job of managing Rudy Go Escar Gobert. But I thought Donovan, you know, this is, again, Clippers not being able to stop the best player on the opposing team. This comes down to how much is Paul George going to guard the best player? You know, we can't just have it all Kawhi. Aren't we supposed to have two of the best two-way players in basketball? Ridiculous. You got to step it the fuck up here, Paul George. That first round meant Nothing. Nothing. This is where it counts. This is what I've had nightmares about since I was a seven-year-old kid watching Raja Bell shoot that bullshit shot in the fucking corner over Daniel Ewing. You don't understand how much is riding on this for us fans. You better step it up. That was one game. Okay, one game. I may be overreacting, but forgive me because we've never won a second-round series, and this is not going to be getting any easier when Conley comes back. This is not Dallas. They have multiple weapons, and they can actually guard. That's the difference. They can actually guard. And go bitch, as much as I hate him, he's a presence down low. He's going to deter us at the rim. So it's not going to be as easy uh, as just getting there with weak-ass Porzingis. And here's the thing about go bitch. If he had a half-decent postgame, this series would be a wrap because the Jazz would be a championship contender. But he's weak offensively, and he just stands there like a statue. But whatever. On to the next. That's all I can say. Kawhi wasn't good enough. You know, here's one thing about Kawhi. I've said like a broken record since the glorified summer league podcast last year when he doesn't start out in rhythm he just doesn't have that Larry Bird Kobe Dirk Nowitzki factor where he just takes over out of nowhere he was trying later eh, he didn't make the big shots he didn't make the big shots he was never in attack mode his legs look gone hey <coughs> we look tired that's what happens when you play against the Dallas Mavericks willingly and are willing to be pushed to that limit but hey it is what it is. We got to try our best in game two. We make adjustments. I thought Nick Batum probably should have been on the court late in the game. Um, I think that Terrence needs to play more. And maybe this is the series for Bev. Maybe it is for Bevmo. But we'll see what Ty does. This is why Ty Lue is the coach and I'm not. And everybody that's criticizing Ty Lue, look, no coach is perfect. You know, he made some mistakes. But... Is he out there shooting the shots for four of 17? Let me, wait, hold on a second. I want to just, I want to just tell you guys how much money Paul George is making right now. Because you don't get paid to play. You get played, you get paid to win. According to the great Bill Russell, the greatest winner that's ever played the sport. So let's see how much PG is getting paid. So I don't want to hear, you know, at the end of the day, Ty Lude's Ty Lue. 35 milli. 35 milli. And I'm pretty sure... Yeah, he's going to be guaranteed at 2024, he's going to be making $45 million a year. So that can happen again. It's okay. He's human. That was his worst shooting night of the playoffs. But here's the thing. I just have a feeling game two ain't going to be easier. Donovan Mitchell had his number tonight, literally and figuratively. Not Paul George's number. He also had his own jersey number in points, 45, and a well-deserved win for the Jazz because of Donovan. You know, they had the best player on the court. And they had the best team on the court tonight. They're 1-0. We took the loss. 
Uh, Kawhi had 23 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, did not guard well enough, 9 of 19 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. Paul George was invisible on defense and just put up a chuck fest. 20 points, 10 rebounds on 4 of 17. Reggie Jackson in foul trouble, as I discussed earlier. Batum not getting enough minutes, only played 21 of them. Boogie, only 4 minutes. We just have so much depth that it's just hard to think of these rotations on the fly. It really is. Um, Bogdanovich, 18 points, 6 of 14, I think, and 3 of 6 from 3. I thought he was their second best player, probably. Um, but that's it was the Donovan Mitchell carry job. Nobody on the team scored 20 besides him. He scored 45, so 112 to 109 in Salt Lake. Seeing Dwayne Wade root for the Jazz. I know he's part owner, but like it's just sick. What's good with that? Just ugh, ew. There's not one person of color in, or you know, yeah, well, not one person of color in the entire crowd besides the mailman and freaking D Wade and Donovan's family, from what I saw. Whatever, screw the fucking Jazz. Can't stand them. Anyway, let's move on to the Hawks and the Sixers. So the Sixers are in a must-win situation. By the way, I watched game one and I realized something immediately. Why is the Defensive Player of the Year candidate not guarding Trey Young in the first quarter? Isn't that what he's out there for? Because he has no confidence offensively. He is just... Watching Ben Simmons offensively, man. If anybody ever says Magic Johnson and Ben Simmons in the same sentence, unless you're saying that Ben Simmons should never be in the same sentence as Magic Johnson, you deserve to be thrown into the into the uh, Bermuda Triangle, and we just unleash a bunch of, you know, killer, killer sharks out there to just eat you alive. Because you just don't deserve to be living and breathing in this world by saying these things. Um, because he can't do anything offensively, really. Um, but let's talk about the Sixers. I thought that they came out with the must-win energy in the first quarter tonight, and especially first quarter Tobias, who we're very familiar with here in Clipperland. Uh, he's just, you got to get him shots in that first quarter. He comes out really aggressive and I liked him, you know, getting into the basket, getting into his mid range area, getting into that right corner pull up that he loves with a little st- sidestep to his right. Um, I thought that Seth Curry was just brilliant. was just brilliant. He just, the guy doesn't miss, you know, he's, he's not as, you know, shifty as his brother, but he can hit shots, man. He's a shot maker from everywhere on the court. And I thought that. They did a better job putting pressure on Trey Young. I thought they were going to drop coverage, but Embiid was just coming up a little higher. And I thought that they were doing some hedge and recover, just making it a little tougher for Trey. And it was working in the beginning. Trey was getting a little rattled, turning the ball over. He had four turnovers. I don't know how many of those came in the first half. But there was even one play where Embiid was in drop coverage, and then he switched on to Trey and forced him to the baseline. And Trey was going back around to try to go back up top. And he threw the ball away, and I think Tobias got a dunk. So there was a 13-point lead for the Sixers after the first quarter, 33-20. to And the Hawks were taking some really rushed shots, very rushed, very quick. And Nate McMillan said it best. They shot within one or two, three passes, and they just weren't good looks. Um, But the second quarter, that Atlanta Hawks depth came back and responded. And it was that there's so many 2019 Clippers in this series. Tobias, Gallo, Glenn Rivers, and... Uh, and Lou, and I thought that Lou came in and did some some Lou things, coming off screens and some jumpers. Uh, he was or one jumper, I guess. He was only one of three. But Gallinari was great, and Kevin Herter was great. And even Kevin Herter even stole the ball from George Hill, went all the way for a dunk. And I thought that him and Gallo just, you know, Gallo, he's got the ultimate green light. Um, and he was in shots. And I thought that the Sixers, Ben Simmons, man, his 
offensive game. They just sag off so much of him. He looks so indecisive. Like, he just doesn't even look at the rim. It's just, it's so easy and predictable sometimes. And I thought Danny Green wasn't great either. Five points, two of six. But Seth Curry and Joel Embiid, I thought Embiid was phenomenal tonight. And he was being so aggressive. And I just love the way that he was dealing with double teams. And, you know, if you don't, against real skilled players, take notes, bronze sexuals, against real skilled players that have mid-post games, you have to hard double to take the ball out of their hands. Because a half-assed load-up shade doesn't work against players that can do one dribble or turn around over either shoulder and just and can basically you isolate the one-on-one guy. If you're not bringing in two defenders for real, you sitting there only means something if I drive. But if I know my spots and I can get to my spots and I actually have spots in one or two sh- uh, one or, within one or two dribbles, you can knock things down. And that's what Joel Embiid was doing tonight and going away from that shade, going away from that load-up and making some, making some nice plays. And you just got to love that if you're a Sixers fan. I love the dominance of the bigs. By the way, speaking of bigs, a huge congratulations to a guy that I've been on his bandwagon since 2016-17 when he dropped a triple-double on DeAndre Jordan to my clips. Nikola Jokic, the best center since Shaquille O'Neal in this league. The first MVP since Shaquille O'Neal in this league. And him and Joel Embiid are, like, keeping the center alive to me. And, you know, if you're a kid out there, Practice your post moves, man. Practice your post moves. Because if you really are a skilled big man, you have a chance to succeed in this league. You can still be great and dominate this league. Mid-post, mid-range, post moves. Passing out of double teams. It can always be as simple as that. Anyway, the uh, so the, six, the Hawks responded, and they were only down by two at the half, despite all that I just said. But I thought in that third quarter, Embiid and Tobias got back to it. Tobias was going to the rim well. Seth Curry was making open threes. And one thing I will give Ben Simmons credit for was he pushes the pace. And he does make nice passes in transition at times. But Embiid was just getting Capella in foul trouble like crazy. Dominating down low. He was even dunking. Like, I just loved it from Embiid. Loved it. And I thought Tobias was great. 22 points, 11 of 19. But I think he should still be more aggressive. But it's really at the defensive end that it starts for the Hawks. I mean, for the Sixers. And I thought that the activity, Ben Simmons on defense, he was still really good. You know, I thought that he was lively on, you know, rotations. You know, he I think he may have, I don't remember how many, but he definitely, Trey Young doing, throwing some lobs and Ben Simmons uh, intercepting or tipping the way some, some lob passes intended for Capella. And it started some breaks for the Sixers. And I thought that the, the guy that really took them home was Shake Milton. I don't know how he didn't get playing time in the first half, but he comes in in the second half, gets plays 14 minutes, and starts hitting everything. You know, three-pointers going left. I've noticed he really likes going left, and he likes to step back. Hitting floaters. I mean, he was just playing incredible, Shake Milton. And I think that Glenn learned that he needs to play him more because he's the Sixers had zero bench points in the first half. Second half, though, Shake Milton really came in and made a difference. I thought that Dwight Howard came in and made a difference. Laker fans really missed him this year. Uh, instead, they got the modern-day Rodman, who spent more time on the bench. than uh, he, made his, he honestly may have spent more time on Instagram thinking of captions and posts than playing playoff basketball this year. Um, anyway, but yeah, ben, uh, Dr- Dwight Howard, six boards, six rebounds. I'm sorry, six rebounds, six points. I thought he made some big plays in that second half, but Shake Milton. And the crowd, again, another home crowd 
really pushed it there in Philly. Like, he made one or two shots, and the Hawks' young team, you know, came out and started chucking him up, rushing their possessions. The shots don't go in. The crowd's going crazy. Shake Milton comes out and scores again. That third quarter buzzer beater to put the Sixers up by seven in the left on the left wing was huge. And momentum, man. And that's what right now L.A. is lacking because of Garcetti and Newsome, you bums. Because Philly was rocking, and that place went crazy. Three games in the last 24 hours, the crowd has had a vital part in pushing a run that has decided the game. The Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, and the Sixers. But anyway, that's all I got for tonight. Let's look at the stat lines, though. Joel Embiid, a man amongst boys, his playoff career high. He has now scored 39 in Game 1, 40 in Game 2. Unbelievable to be nearly averaging 40 right now. 40 points, 13 rebounds, 13 of 25 from the field. That's 52%. Two of five from three. I love that because he shot a good percentage. He took the right threes. Honestly, maybe even one unnecessarily, but you're not going to complain with 40%. You're also not going to complain with the fact that he took 22s and only five threes and then got to the line 16 times while nobody else on his team got to the line more than twice. 12 of 16 from the line, 75%. I mean, it can be a little better than that. Give me 13 if you're if I'm a Sixers fan. Tobias, as I said, 22 points on 11 to 19. Ben Simmons had four points on two of three to go along with three rebounds and seven dimes. Two steals and a block. His contributions came defensively. But Seth Curry, 21 points. He was that third guy tonight. Eight of 13 from the field and five of six from three. He made his first five. And then Shake Milton with 14 points on five of eight from the field. For the Hawks, John Collins was really quiet tonight, in my opinion. I just don't think they went to him enough. And, yeah, they didn't go to him enough. And I just wasn't really looking at this game from a Hawks fan perspective. It was a must-win for Philly, so I was kind of locking down on them. But only 8 points for John, 4 of 11. Solomon Hill was irrelevant, oh, zero, uh, 0 points, 0 of 2. Clint Capella, 10 points, 8 boards, 5 of 7. I thought he was kind of getting dominated, to be honest. 5 fouls. Trey, not his best game, but he still was decent. 21 points, 11 dimes, 6 of 16, but 1 of 7 from 3 and 4 turnovers. And Bogdanovich had a bad first half. He started playing better in the second half, but not his best night either. 14 points, 7 boards, 6 of 16 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Gallinari had 21, 7 of 15, 5 of 9 from 3. He was plus 2, so I think that him and Kevin Herter, who also had 20 points on 8 of 10 and 3 of 5 from 3, were the best players for the for the Hawks. I mean, at least for their standards. Um, yeah, that's all I got on that one. So 1-1, the Sixers shot 12-26 from 3 and 53% overall. So that's that's really good. 118-102 is the final from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. 1-1, we got a good series on our hands. Game 3 is anyone's game. It's going to be a good one, but... That's it for me tonight, guys. Uh, I did watch game five of the Blazers Nuggets, by the way. I'm going to watch that last one to just finish off on my thoughts on the Blazers. But tomorrow, I don't know if we're going to be live. I think we probably will be for the Suns game. It's the only game. So maybe I'll be live. But I don't know. The views may be down with that one. But we'll see how I feel. But now we're going to go to the live chat. Super chats are turned on. Drop a dollar or a dime. And peace.